Hey, good morning. Yeah, good morning. <laughs> hey, uh, if you guys uh, were here last week, uh, Grayson had handed out the uh, daily bread. If you didn't get one, I still have a few of these left. And if you would like to get one, I'd love to provide you with one. It's just a daily devotional over the next uh, three months. So I have a few of those uh, left over. And uh, I would like to share those with you if you, would, uh, if you haven't got one. Now, uh, the announcements that you saw, uh, not only did we make a mistake and have to, uh, Gabe had to fix that, uh, there's also uh, a, a little addendum I need to make this morning. The uh, junior high is meeting not at 5.30 this week, but at 5 o'clock. That is correct, right? Okay, all right, 5 and through 6, right? Okay, now, if you have a, a, a few extra dollars, that 10 minutes or 5 minutes of announcements, we got about 45 to 50 minutes worth of blooper reels because uh, I'm really bad at that, Gabe's really bad at that. Well, he's really good at that, he's really bad at having to pack me through it, but uh, he, he did the best he could and uh, carry uh, my, my dead weight through that. But uh, over the next several weeks, you're going to see some special guests with... Uh, Gabe during the announcements. I'm not going to put my face up there every week. Who wants to do that to you guys and torture you? But there will be some special faces showing up with Gabe. Maybe Angie. Maybe Ronnie Rockford. I don't know. I don't know who it's going to be, but there's going to be some special people. So if for no other reason, man, just to come in and see the announcements and to see who's going to be making their uh, big screen debut, you may want to come just to see that and to, and to harass them after the service, okay? And uh, let, let me say this to you guys. I want everyone in here to know, everyone in here to know that you're loved this morning. You're loved not just by the people at the at TDC, but you are loved by God. I'm glad to see my brother John here this morning. I just spoke to him a few minutes ago and whatnot. And uh, if you're new here, this is your first Sunday, I want you to know that you're welcome. God loves you. We love you. And I'm praying for everyone here this morning that God would speak. Uh, into your heart. I had an individual send me a message or a text the other day. You know, there's times that things are shared up here, and I'm, I don't mean just by me, Kellen. I mean by whoever is sharing. And you don't know the extent in which those words are ministering to people. And um, sometimes once a Sunday's gone, uh, those words have been spoken, that message has been shared, and you think that move on to the next message and go, you know, it's done. But what God does often is he'll take those words and he'll continue to reuse those words. I mean, once they're spoken, man, they're out there in the ether, in the spiritual ether, and God continues to use those words. And the individual so kindly encouraged me this week and said, I just want you to know something that was said, not, not last week, not you know, in the last few days, not on a Facebook post, but something that had been shared in previous weeks. Uh, this individual had found a great deal of encouragement uh, from those words and said to me, said, the moment that message ended, I just restarted it and listened to it again. And it's not because something beautifully eloquent was presented that morning. It was because God was speaking through his word, ministering to that person. That's something that you and I can't fabricate. That's just something that God does through his word. And so uh, that's, a, that's a powerful, powerful thought. And I pray this morning that you would be encouraged, Miss Kathy, through God's word this morning. I pray that. And not just for her, for Miss Mildred, Miss Cindy, and everyone else that's gathered here. And uh, so bless you this morning. Know you're loved. Now, this looks different, right? This isn't the, uh, the Exodus study, right? 
uh, last week we finished chapter 20 of Exodus. And so what I felt like I, I needed to do, and, and I, I just, you kind of just feel this in your heart because you're wanting to maintain, Brandon, a level of continuity as you travel through the book of Exodus. And I didn't want to start a new chapter and then all of a sudden have two or three weeks of uh, something else going on and then try to reconnect after that. So uh, this week I'm, I want to share something with you that's not out of the book of Exodus, but we're going to be concentrating on the book of John. And uh, it's just the first few verses out of the book of John. And uh, I, I want to talk to you this morning about the indescribable gift. And, uh, and, and I, don't, I don't know about you guys, but uh, when I think about Christmas, there, because I'm, I'm looking at it now as an adult through the experience of a child, right? You know, and uh, I remember certain Christmases, Chase, that when, when I would label it a good Christmas was contingent on what I got. You know what I'm talking about? You know, the more I got, the better Christmas was, right? That's just kind of how I felt that thing working. And when I didn't get as much or, you know, I got socks and maybe some underwear, a shirt, some jeans. Man, who wants that Christmas, right? I'm like, come on, Mom. That's the best you can do, you know? You know, some cougars. You know, I need, I need, some, I need some toys. I need, some, I need something that, that I can put in my hands and get dirty with. And so when I think back to those Christmases, um, and I remember some of those. Uh, I can describe those gifts. And probably as an adult looking back, and I remember sharing this with Luis and shared it with, with several of you. I remember one of, uh, one of the better Christmases through the eyes of a child. But when I look back through the eyes of an adult, I understand the gravity of the Christmas and what actually took place. I remember, you guys know this, right? There were 13 brothers and sisters. Uh, on this particular Christmas, uh, uh, 10 of the brothers and sisters had escaped, okay? And they were out on their own. They had broken free from the bondage of the Evans prison, right? But three of us had been left behind, you know? I don't know what, what's up with Dwayne, no man left behind kind of thing. I don't know why, but he left me. And he was out there living his own life, right? Having his own Christmas. But I remember there was uh, three of us left at the house. I was the youngest of the three. And you guys know this story, so you know, I don't want to depress you with it. But my father was a heavy drinker, right? I told you guys there were times, Dwayne will remember this, there were times my, my father would take rubbing alcohol and pour sugar in it and drink it. I mean, that's how addicted he was to alcoholism and whatnot. And, uh, and, and that alcoholism, it, it ravaged our home. It, it affected decisions that were made, financial decisions, emotional decisions, physical decisions. I mean, it affected us in every different facet that you could think of. And I remember we were encroaching upon Christmas, and what my dad would do is my dad was a really good uh, uh, concrete man. He, he would finish concrete, and he was really, really good. And uh, what my dad would typically do is he would, he would work for about three months and, and uh, then he would be drunk for about three months and uh, he would quit working and then he would drink himself broke and then his boss who knew his skill level was really, really great would always allow him to come back once he sobered up and then he would uh, generate enough money for the next three months and then he, it was a cycle, it was just a cycle. And so what was happening is he had just come off a cycle of working 
and we were pushing into Christmas. And the weather's a little bit colder, so there's not going to be a lot of time to work. You know, it's hard to pour concrete in sub-freezing temperatures. Near enough impossible without certain components being added to the concrete and whatnot. But I remember he had, he, had, he had accumulated a little bit of money. He had a checking account, which none of us had access to. And we were going into Christmas. And unbeknownst to me, my mother decided that she was going Christmas shopping for the kids. These were his kids. It was his money. It was his responsibility, she thought. And so she went in one day and she picked up that checkbook. Unbeknownst to him, and she went out and she got Christmas. Well, I remember waking up on Christmas morning and I had this chrome BMX bicycle. Man, I tell you, it was jacked up awesome. Red, I mean, had the red pads on the, on the on, I mean, BMX, right? The red pads on, on the frame, the red pads on the handlebar. It had the, 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 the brakes on the, the grip. I mean, it was straight up awesome. And I, I took that chrome bike, man, and I, I, I just strode around that housing project block. I was, I was up on that, I was smiling at people. As I was paddling. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, I was proud of it. But it wasn't just that that she bought me. I mean, this was a Christmas, man. She bought me, with his money, a tabletop Donkey Kong. Hey. Now, we'll add this little story. When the batteries ran out, I took an old wire off a radio. I spliced it, plugged it in, tied it into my battery to the, you know, the little battery receptacle. I thought, well, current's current. I, I, I wasn't wise to electricity. And, and so I ran out of those batteries. I, I, I wired up there. I plugged that thing in. I hit that on switch. And I heard, <laughs> well, needless to say, the Donkey Kong didn't last long. But that morning, man, it was awesome. I mean, awesome. I had Donkey Kong, bicycle. I was cool, Jack. I would ride, fatigue myself, and then I'd play Donkey Kong, man. And once I, I, I eat enough food with the, and, and rest of the Donkey Kong, I'd bike on the bike. So it was this vicious cycle I'd gotten myself into, right? Donkey Kong, bicycle, Donkey Kong, bicycle. But it was beautiful. As an adult, though, Lynn, I look back, and the Christmas takes on a completely different dynamic in my mind. Because my father, not only was he an alcoholic, and he would get to drink and that kind of stuff, uh, he would get physical and violent when he drank. He'd get crazy. And there's no other word that would suffice, right? He'd get drunk crazy. You know what? Drunk mean. I don't know if you guys have ever been around people who are alcoholics. Drunk mean. He was a mean drunk. And uh, he found out. That mom had taken his drinking money and bought us Christmas, you see. And so she suffered. She suffered for that, you see. And as an adult, I look back on that BMX and I look back on that Donkey Kong and the value of it has exponentially grown because the cost of it was greater than the currency paid for those items. It was paid on the back of my mother. It was paid by her face. It was paid by the cursings it was paid by the abuse. The value of the items that I received that day 
came at a much greater price than a few dollars after a check had been written. It was a continual payment being made that I might enjoy those things. At the time, I didn't realize that's how it was shaken out. But as an adult, I said, I look back and I think, oh, did my mom love me? That she was willing to endure that, that I might have that. And so, that's just one of the Christmases that I remember. And, and it, it was a great Christmas as an adult now, not because of those items, but because in that season, my mom so expressed a, a very sacrificial love for me. Saying, I, Amy, I, I'm willing to pay the price because I love my kids. I'm not going to let this thing go off the rails because I love my I want them to experience something, okay? And so, I want to read a scripture to you, and then we're going to jump into John, okay? The scripture I want to read to you matches the image that we find on the screen right now. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. And this is what the scripture says. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now I want to give you the context for that, that verse. I want to give you the context. Here, 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 let's just stop for a moment. Let's just pray real quick, okay? Father, in Jesus' name, in the, in the power of your spirit, Minister through your word this morning. Touch the hearts of the listener. Move powerfully. In the name of Jesus, we pray and ask this. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The context is this. Paul was telling them, you can go back and read this. Paul was telling them and, 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 and declaring over them and encouraging them because uh, they had been giving uh, to the body, to one another, uh, because the needs were present, and there was an incredible joy in meeting the needs of the body through the means in which God had given them. And so needs were being presented, and the body, uh, they, were, they were being counted. They were standing in the gap, and they were providing one for another. Very beautiful scene. And so Paul is, is literally uh, uh, giving them the, the that-a-boy kind of thing at that moment. And then at the very end of that, out of nowhere, Paul says this. He just jumps on, on the back of this. Basically, I think, drawing a contrast between the good thing that they were doing, and it was noble, commendable. He draws this contrast between that and what God had done, and he uses these words, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, I'm going to pronounce this Greek word for you. This Greek word has only been used, it's only used one time in the New Testament. It's only used one time. When the word says indescribable, this is the Greek word. Bear with me. Anegdi agatos. And don't come up to me after a service and say, what was that Greek word? All right. You, stay, get it, get it right now in your spirit and in your mind. You ready? Anegdi agatos. And it means inexpressible. And it's only used the one time. Now, the one thing I want you to understand about this given word, and that's how I'm going to reference that word from this moment on, right? So I don't stumble through it through the remainder of the service, is that the Apostle Paul was, Rome, was educated in Rome. He was a Roman citizen. Not only was he educated within the Roman system, in the Roman culture, he was also educated within the Jewish system. He was educated in Judaism. 
So he was an elevated, educated man within the social culture, and he was also an, an elevated, educated man within the Jewish culture. As a matter of fact, he was a Sadducee of Sadducees. He was the most educated person, very learned. And here is the Apostle Paul, by any standard of yours and mine, he would have been considered a wordsmith. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, this was a cat who had mastered languages. He could communicate on a level that your eye probably couldn't even begin to approach. Probably had a, had a, had a, a, a vocabulary that was unlimited. And when he goes to, to speak about the gift of God, he's at a loss for words, and he literally says, the gift of God is indescribable. So you say, well, Trent, what is your goal this morning? Well, I'm going to describe that. <laughs> well, Trent, your vocabulary, you've got 25 words. So how are you going to, to describe the indescribable gift that God has given us that Paul says, I'm at a loss for words with this thing. It's so beautiful. Well, that's the reason we're going to turn to John. And we're just going to read a few verses. And I want to touch on a few things that may open our eyes to why it's so indescribable okay these are familiar scriptures all right now we're going to go to John chapter 1 now one of the things I want you guys to realize when we look at John John is not one of the synoptic gospels the synoptic the synoptic gospels that you and I uh, understand to be synoptic are, are uh, Matthew, Mark and Luke and and the word synoptic actually means seen with the same eye let me, let me, layman's terms, it means similar. We got that? They're similar. They're, they're similar stories, similar events, similar timelines. Now, another thing about these is these Gospels were written before the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John was probably written around 85 to 90 A.D. So John, all the other Gospels probably written at least 5 to 10 years, some 20 years earlier. The thing that we know about John is that John probably had access to all of these other Gospels. And John writes his last. Now when you go into the other Gospels and, and uh, you, you begin to look at them, you begin to see that, uh, 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 like for example, uh, Mark, I believe, begins at the Jordan River, right, with John. And then Matthew and Luke begin, you know, at this beautiful little birthing scene in Bethlehem, right? John doesn't begin there. And so his is somewhat different. But I think when we read John's account, we begin to understand why Paul says indescribable. Indescribable. So that's what we want to look at this morning. That's what we want to look at this morning. So the scripture says this, John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. We're only going to read a few of these verses. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now, I, I want to establish something here right off the bat, okay? When it says, In the beginning was the Word, it's not implying that at the, beginning of the, at the beginning of all things, the, the word starts there. A better rendering of the scripture would be this. The word was in the beginning. I mean the beginning of the beginning. 
The Word existed before a beginning existed. Meaning, the Word that we know to be Jesus was eternal. We're going to touch on that. I don't want to, I don't want to jump too far ahead, okay? Okay. And I want you to get this. When it says in the beginning was, that word in the Greek, I mean, means this. Get this. It's in, it's in, in, in an imperfect tense which depicts continual existence and a continuous state. Meaning the word that it's referencing was in a continual existence. It always had been. It always existed before a measure of time ever ever existed. So all of a sudden we're starting to see and understand the grand nature of what the Word really was and we're about to find out who the Word was. So we're establishing this. Why is it indescribable? Well, we're finding out why it's indescribable. Now one of the things that I do like at Clark Evans, Clark Evans this year, he's an NBA guy, right? He's an, he, he likes the New York Knicks. We need to pray for him as soon as this service is over. He's a New York knicker. Knickerbocker, that's what he is. He loved the New York Knicks. He loved, he loved Carmelo Anthony. He loved all those guys. And, and I'm like, Clark, what about the Boston Celtics? He said, no, I'm with the New York Knickerbockers. Okay, it is what it is. But so he gets, a, he gets a, the new NBA 2K22. Clark, 23? Clark's back there going, 2-3, 2-3, Dad. Okay, he's got NBA 2K23. And uh, with that, he got what is called a, a free subscription to the NBA League Pass. You know what that means for me, Bree? That means Clark's got access to every NBA game played every day all year long. Meaning, there's times there's 11 or 12 games on. So guess what we're watching? You're right. We're right. But one of the things I like about the NBA League Pass, and you guys find this out on some of your streaming services, is that we can jump in and the game's about, you know, maybe halfway over, Holly. Maybe it's even halfway through the first half or something other. And we see the score, but there's an option whenever you go into that League Pass. You know what that option is? The option is start from the beginning. So you see the score, but if you really want to know how the score got to where it's at, they give you the option of going to the very beginning so you'll understand how the score came into existence. How did Clark's New York Knickerbockers get down by 25? Well, if you want to know, you can start from the very beginning. You get that insight, right? And Oh, here, Angie, it's the Knickerbockers, right? And so... That's what's happening here in John to some degree. He's giving us the allowance or the opportunity to start from the beginning. Not the beginning in Bethlehem that you and I would like to measure the life of Jesus, but to the beginning where Jesus existed before time did. And so that's where we find ourselves. We're, we're, we're literally hitting the option of starting because we want to know how we got to the score. How do we get to Bethlehem? All right? Now, on December the 1st, a few days ago, uh, was my 52nd birthday, right? Was that Ricky Law? Ricky Law. Boy, 
I didn't, I didn't receive your gift. I guess it's still in the mail. Yeah, yeah. Well, on December the 1st, some 52 years ago, 1970, you can find there's a document that I had to, I had to acquire to get my passport. Went to on our first missions trips and whatnot. And that document is a certified birth certificate. It's even, it may even have the time on there in which this guy came here. Right, right? And so at that moment, based on that document, man, you got a pretty good idea of where the starting line was for this man, right? Well, when we read the gospel accounts and the synoptic gospels, whatnot, in uh, Matthew and Luke, and we see the birth of Jesus in, in uh, uh, Bethlehem, and we're looking at that, man, and we're looking at the birth certificate, and we're saying, okay, on this day, this is when, Je on that first Christmas morning, this is when Jesus was born, this is when his life began. See, it doesn't apply to him. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't apply to him. He transcends that. Unlike this guy. And unlike you all. And so the scripture says, in the beginning was the word. And in the Greek it's the word logos. You'll hear it pronounced logos or logos. I don't care how you pronounce it. It's the Greek word that, that means divine utterance. So there's a divine utterance. In the beginning was this divine utterance. The speech of God, or the words of God. And so the scripture says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Okay? So we're going to establish three things right here. We're going to move on. Why is this gift indescribable? <laughs> Think about a Jesus who eternally existed on an eternal scale before anything else existed. Imagine this existence in the company of God the Father. That's what it says, he was with God. And not only that, was equal. The scripture says he was God. All of a sudden, we're starting to wrap this gift in a veil or at least a, a, a wrapping that's indescribable, right? And John has just written these words just so we could begin to fathom or comprehend the nature of this gift, Right? And then the scripture says this, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The scripture doesn't say some things were made, but all things. And guess who all things include? You. Everyone in here, everyone in here is included in this process of creation. No thing that exists now exists outside of the creating influence of Jesus on the eternal scale before time ever existed. And we're going to touch on that. I'm going to show you this, okay? As a matter of fact, if we go to Genesis chapter 1, hey, sweet, verse 1 and verse 2, the scripture says this, in the beginning God the word in Hebrew is Elohim, and it is plural. You got, you got that? In the very first verse of the Hebrew Bible, the phrase term used for God is used in the plural. And I believe in that scripture is the first expression of what you and I, because later on in the verse, it talks about the Spirit of God hovering, right? Over the darkness, in the dark, over the waters, right? Over the deep. You know, what, you know what I'm talking about? 
In this very first verse, this expression of what you and I would refer to as the Godhead or the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is present. The very first verse. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 and 17 says this, speaking of Jesus. Since the Son is the image, what we can see of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The Greek right there literally means preeminent, meaning, understanding of that, being the firstborn that, that was a, a glorified, meaning uh, 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 the resurrected. He was the first one to be resurrected in a glorified body over all creation. He's leading the way, is what Colossians is saying. He's establishing the path, the, this glorious resurrection, firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created. All things. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. You know what that means? Jesus has created invisible things as well as visible things. Describe that one. No wonder Paul's like, that's what God gave us. God wrapped this up and gave this to us. That's indescribable. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, created it all. All things have been created through him and for him. Now let's don't lose hope in the chaos of the world. Because the scripture says he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He's not just the creator, but he's the sustainer, right? Right? So here he is, this God who's created everything. Right? You, are you tracking with me? He's created everything. And then all of a sudden, in Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, this thing happens. See if you recall these words. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And watch this, the creation, Mary. Right? This cat named Joseph. Created, they were created, right? All things. Watch this. She wrapped him in the creation is covering the creator. That's a powerful thought, Ronnie Rockford. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a man. Can you imagine a created manger, a hay trough, whatever it may have been, this, this creation wraps in her hands uh, this, this material, the swaddling clothes, holds the creator of all things, within the grasp of her fingers, and sets him in a feeding trough. Paul says, indescribable. Because there was no guest room available for them. You know what that's saying? There was no place for him amongst his creation. But it's part of the plan, you see. He created a lack for him. A lack for him the creator created. That his word would be true. 
Let's jump back to John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And it says, And in him was life, zoe, it means life both physical and spiritual, meaning he brings to life and meets us at every need, our physical need and our spiritual need. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Scotia, it's a connotation when it says, has not, the darkness has not overcome it. Scotia, it's a connotation of spiritual darkness. Now, there were efforts, there were efforts to smother out the light, Ronnie. There were efforts to do that. There have been efforts to smother out the light in your life. Do you not realize that? Spiritual efforts to snuff out the light in your life. And you know what John says? You know what he says right here? And the darkness has not overcome it. Hold, hold on, just sit with me on this one for a second. Now John's writing this. He's about 80 years old. Decades removed from the death of Jesus. The other gospels have been written and he's not yet penned a word. He's an old man who has seen the birth of this majestic church. He has seen the birth of this majestic love. He has seen the birth of the persecution. He has seen the death of his fellow disciples. He has seen the death of his fellow apostles. And yet when he, when he articulates through inspiration the gospel, his gospel given by God, he says, though the efforts be great, they've not overcome the light. The light is prevailing. The gospel of Jesus and the kingdom of Jesus is expanding. I'm 80 years old. I'm about to be shipped out to Patmos to spend the rest of my life. And I say to you, God has prevailed. Does that look like prevailing to you? When your friends are dying to your right and to your left, yet Paul, because he's anchored, or, or John, because he's anchored in the truth of who Jesus is and the purpose of Jesus. Since the darkness can't vanquish the light. It's indescribable. And we're going to jump down to 14. This is our last verse. There's a lot in this last verse, though. <laughs> And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Mm. The word flesh, sarx in the Greek. You know what that means? Now this is really sweet. If you're Anna Green Gables, the original of the book, you'll, you'll identify with what I'm about to say. You know what it means? You know what sarx means? It means kindred. Remember Anna Green Gables? Oh, we're kindred spirits. You know what kindred means, don't you? Kin. Family. You know what it's saying right here? He became a part of our family that we might become a part of his family. <laughs> That's what it's saying. Man, you want to talk, man, I see some of you cats in here who have gone down the path of adoption, and I commend you and I salute you and I say, way to go rescuing these sweet babies 
to, 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 to give them the love that resides in your heart. And I say, bless you for doing that. There, there are some people who have been adopted that some of you may not know. Babe Ruth was adopted. How many of you knew Babe Ruth was adopted? Oh, Kellen, you would know. Okay. The baseball coach knows Babe Ruth was adopted. I should have said, who knows other than Kellen? I should have known. And Jay Lynn, you were probably teetering on it, wasn't you? Simone Biles. Is that her name? Simone Biles, the gymnast? Adopted. We know that, right? She's relatively new. She. There's another gentleman that was adopted one day after he was born, and I had just read this week that uh, he was offered $300 million to sign a baseball contract with uh, the evil empire up in the Northeast, that being the New York Yankees. And Jess, being a Yankees fan, she knows everybody in that organization, organization needs to be saved. That's the evil empire, the dark side. I speak from the heart of being a Red Sox fan. Okay, so yeah, am I biased? Maybe not. Maybe. Okay. Now you and I would look at that situation, look at the people that adopted little Aaron Judge. Now he wasn't six foot seven when he was born. He wasn't 260 pounds. He wasn't hitting 480 foot home runs. He was just a little baby that needed a home and needed to be adopted. So his family steps in and they adopt this little baby to provide for him, to nurture him, to love him, to give him everything that he needs. They had no idea that there was going to be a return on this act of love that was in excess of probably a half a billion dollars when it's all said and done. Now you and I look at that and say, the judge family hit the adoption jackpot, right? You're like, man, I'm going to adopt somebody if they can ensure that I'm getting $500 million on the backside of this thing, right? I mean, we look, man, the jackpot. Listen, that's not even close to the jackpot. The jackpot is found in this scripture. When God had given this son of his, the one and only son, into the caring hands of, a, of an adopting mother and an adopting father, it was no effort of their own that this baby was delivered there. Spiritually speaking, some effort in Mary, I get it, mom, they ain't, ain't going to dismiss that. She didn't give birth, right? She didn't ask for that. God gave this. And this divine adoption continues to pay dividends for you and for me. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the paraphrased uh, Bible, the message. Now, I'm not a big Eugene Peterson fan, but hey, man, sometimes he says some things that are pretty tight. You know how he renders this scripture? You know, we just read the scripture, said, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You know how Eugene Peterson renders that in his paraphrased Bible, the message? The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. the eternally existing God who was with God and was God and through him all things were created had clothed him in flesh had clothed himself in flesh and moved in to the neighborhood had moved into the neighborhood no wonder in Luke chapter 2 it says this and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. This sounds familiar, don't it? 
And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I don't know. Is that how he says it? You know, is he really sweet? Do not be afraid, young shepherds. I believe there was some excitement. You know why I believe that? Because they knew. They were created beings existing in a realm of creation that we had not seen. It is the invisible realm in which we spoke of earlier that they had already been exposed to this Jesus that we were just in the flesh being exposed to. They knew of his grandeur, his majesty, his power, his influence, his love, the gravity of who he was. And the angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I wonder where that truth is born from. Maybe because in the invisible, his sheer presence brought great joy to those who received him in that realm. And he says, if it brings joy in that realm, and you guys being as limited as you are, and that God has wrapped himself in flesh, hold on for the ride he's about to take you on. This is great joy. That's powerful. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. <laughs> he is the Messiah of the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. They knew what we didn't, and their response to him was consistent with that, with that knowledge of who this baby was. And so when everyone else is fearful and scared, and the angel was saying, hey man, don't be afraid, buckle down, joy's coming, good things are coming. We know him, the one that's been born. And the sign, the baby wrapped in swallowing clothes, wrapped in, we know him. Ronnie, and it generated a response of praise and worship. No wonder, Paul says, in light of all these things, in light of all this, in light of this creator humbling himself, Lynn, and taking on the form of a small child and allowing himself to rest in the hands of his creation and to be cared for in such a manner and to be placed in that trough. In light of, Paul says, I don't get it. I can't fathom it. I cannot describe it. This gift that God has given us. It's indescribable. No wonder Paul lived his life the way he did. No wonder John, after seeing what he had seen, 
and finding himself isolated on an island, still pinning the book of Revelations there through the inspiration of the Spirit. No wonder he was anchored in such hope. Because even then, as an older man, dying around the age of 88, 89, 90, he was anchored. You know what he was anchored in? What he had already written and God had revealed. And you say, Trent, why, why are the Gospels different? Why is John's different? Why is there a different starting place? I'm going to step out, Carl, and I just, I'm just going to ask you to trust me in this and just kind of walk with me. If I'm, if I'm in too much air, just kick me off to the side. Why is John's gospel so different? Because none of the others were on an island in Patmos. None of the others were going to suffer like that. None of the others were going to write that last letter written by God to his creation. And Maybe God just wanted John to know through a revelation that only God could have given. Understand, oh boy, who it is that you write about and where it all started and where it's all going to finish. <laughs> Matthew didn't need that. Mark, writing the words probably expressed by Peter, didn't need that. Luke didn't need that. But John did. And you and I have benefited from the benefit given to John. And we too can journey back to a place where time did not exist. To see a gift waiting to come out of the realm of eternity into time as we know it to express the love of God for you all. I started this message by saying, understand God loves you. And when you understand the gift that was given and the measure of it and how indescribable it really is, there's no way within reason we can leave here regardless of what you're going through and think to ourselves, John, that God doesn't love us. <laughs> God loves us. God loves us. And he covered the distance to prove it wrapped himself Second Corinthians 9.15 we started with it, we closed with it Paul says thanks be to God and you and I leave here this morning from 100 Hobson Way and in our hearts should be the same expression Amy, Jeremiah Sophie, Otis, I can go on and on. The same expression should be in our hearts this morning. Christy, thanks be to God. Matthew, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Mm. So I'm going to ask the Elders, if they would come forward. Danny, would you come? Is Ben, Ben, Miss Terry? This is going to be a, a, an elders race. See who gets up here first. The last one up here, we'll call them derelict of duties and we'll put them in exile on the island of Patmos.
So what we're going to do this morning, in light of this indescribable gift, we're going to take communion this morning. And we're going to take communion this morning remembering that gift. That's what he said, right? Do this in remembrance of me. Is that, does that need to be said by Jesus? Do this? I suppose so because we have the tendency maybe to forget. And so Jesus establishes communion and he says, Mildred, he says, Remember me, the word before time, who wrapped himself in flesh, who came and lived and taught and led and was crucified and resurrected and then ascended and promised to return. Remember me. Don't forget me. I don't, oh, man, Jeremiah, I don't want to forget him, right, man? I want to live a life that says I've not forgotten, Right? I want my life to say, I remember. Kellen, I remember. I want my words to say, I remember. My conduct, my exchange, my interaction with people says, Trent remembers. He hadn't forgotten how I respond to my wife. I remember how I respond to my children. I remember my coworkers. I remember the gratitude I have for each and every one of you. May it be said of me, Trent remembers, and may it be said of you, that your life declares that you remember him. So what we're going to do, and you guys know how we do this, we're going to start on the front row. And look, Natalie's getting nervous. She knows she's the first one on the first row. She's going to have to lead this thing. But you got it in you, champ. I love Natalie. Darcy, you got the lead on that side. And so what we're going to do, we're going to start from the front to the back, on the outsides. We're going to circle up. We're going to come down the middle. And I want you to take your cup. And the cup, there will be two cups, right? There will be the wine. There will be the bread. There's two cups together. You'll have to separate them. 